Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. So today I'm speaking to Bex Bedford. Bex is um, a person with um, some very strong messages to share. And I'm really looking forward to this um, this discussion over the next 30 minutes. So good afternoon, Bex. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. It's a pleasure. And um, I can immediately tell, I always get into trouble when I hear uh, an American accent for getting all excited. (laughs) Where are you? What's the weather like? So come on, Bex, where are you and what's the weather like? Well, I'm from Chicago, so it's cold, it's frozen, there's snow everywhere. Um, I really can't wait for spring. <laughs> yeah, we've got um, all sorts of storms coming at the moment. You obviously just come over the Atlantic from you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we just had one that hit us this weekend. Excellent. Um, Righty, hello there. Well, so tell me a bit about yourself, Bex, and um, how you describe what you do. Oh, absolutely. Well, um... I go around and I talk about um, my life experience dealing with uh, self-acceptance and self-love. I have a a podcast and a website that I use as that platform uh, because for a good eight years of my life, I was a hermit. Um, I stayed away from everybody. A hermit, you said? Yes, a hermit, like a recluse. Like I just, I call it my hermitude, my my almost decade of hermitude because I really hated the way that I looked. Um, I was fat, overweight. Um, I just saw myself as this subhuman, this bobbling creature that nobody should have to see. I shouldn't force my presence on anybody. And um, it kind of all started, uh, the, the catalyst that really brought me into staying at home was I went out to, I was about 18 years old, 18, 19 years old. And I went out to, uh, to eat with my sister in a restaurant. And, um, I sat there for like 45 minutes while a table of like college guys just made fun of me for that entire time. No. Yeah. They were just like, you know, like really horrible, disgusting things they were saying about me. And I just, I just sat there and I took it. Um, because you know, already when you're eight, when you're that age, you kind of don't know who you are anyway, and you're just trying to figure things out. And I was already struggling with, you know, the way that I looked and the fact that I was a little bit bigger than everybody else. And 
you know, what they did was like kind of affirm that viewpoint that I was already secretly holding. And after that, you know, and then when I got up to pay the bill, it got even worse. Like they started hitting the table and high-fiving each other and like, which is like really loud and obnoxious and over the top. And it just was a horrible experience. Um, So that really just started the next, you know, eight years of my life of just, uh, you know, I, I found a third shift job so I wouldn't have to be around people. Um, and I could mostly work by myself. I didn't go out and see any friends. In fact, I cut off all contact with friends. I rarely saw my family and I just, you know, stayed alone in this, this really dark pocket of self-hatred and self-loathing. And, um, you know, what I probably already had the beginnings of uh, a food addiction in my teenage years, it like full blown in this hermit too, because I didn't have anything else. And I hated myself. I mean, that was the first thought I had every single morning when I opened my eyes was, I hate myself. And, you know, so for eight years, I was like that until at one point, I was driving to go to work. And Every, I was running out of gas. My car was going to die because I had no gas because every gas station that I drove by had people pumping gas. And I was so afraid of anybody seeing me that I I, I was panicking. I wouldn't stop and get out of my car and get gas anywhere because somebody would see me. And I had this like panic attack on the side of the road. And I was just like, you know, this isn't living. This isn't even existing. You know, like this is... I have to change. Something has to change. So, and, so, uh, so Bex, can I jump in for a second? Because these, yeah, uh, absolutely. This is this is the thing that always intrigues me. And many people talk about this sort of defining moment. So, can you sort of unpack it for me? What 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 exactly went through your mind? What was the what's what's the thing that changed from that moment? It was when I was like I pulled over on the side of the road and turned my car off and. I was shaking and I couldn't breathe and I was just so panicked and, um, and I was crying. I was hysterical because I I couldn't find a place to stay. And I was just like, I, I can't live if I can't be around people. Like I need to be able to be among the human population. I need to make a change. Otherwise I'm not going to be able to go to work anymore. And how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to be able to survive? I mean, even, I mean, I barely was surviving as it was, as I, I didn't be around any people. Mm-hmm. So I decided in that moment that I thought that weight loss surgery would be the key because the whole crux of the matter was I didn't think I deserved anything if I wasn't thin. I, I couldn't, I mean, I was very good at my job, but I wouldn't go for raises or promotions or go into management because I, one, I'd have to be around people, but two, I, I didn't think I was worth it. I didn't think that, you know, I could have anything because I was fat. So I, I went ahead after that moment of just hysterics on the side of the road I decided the very next day to try and get weight loss surgery. And um, so, so can I, can I leap in again then? Can I leap in again? So, so yeah. was that the first time you'd ever had those thoughts or had you had those thoughts no. before but not acted on them? 
Yeah, I had them before, but they didn't. You know, I always had the thought that I wasn't worthy of anything because I was fat. And I, I and often I would think, you know, I need to make a change. But so I was so in my bubble of fear and, and self-hatred that I never made the move to do anything until that moment. Right. So the fear, um, the fear was the thing that was sort of destroying your life in a way, was it? Yes. Yes. I mean, I didn't want my neighbors to see me. I didn't want them to see me get my mail. I mean, it was just, it was getting worse. Like every day seemed at that point that my, my fear was just, it was overtaking every part of my life. I mean, I didn't even go into a grocery store to get food. I, because I had this food addiction, I also ate like terrible food, right? So, um, I would get like fast food or takeout food, but it was very strategic in how I would do that. I would know who was working what shifts at what time so that people, you know, wouldn't see me getting the same things or, um, you know, would go late at night. It was just like, it was like this whole ritual that I had developed for myself to be as far away from people as possible. And when I decided to try to get weight loss surgery here, uh, in America, our insurance sucks. <laughs> nice. So they turned me down three times because wow. although I was fat, I had no problems with me physically. So I didn't have high blood pressure. I didn't have diabetes. Um, I didn't have sleep apnea. I didn't have anything like that. They were like, it's just your weight and we can't approve you until something else is wrong. Nice. So finally, the, the very third time, they denied me, but they came back and they said, hey, if you go to therapy for the next six months, and if you see a doctor every month for the next six months, and they both sign off on it, we'll, we'll approve your surgery. Okay. So I was like, yay. <laughs> so I right away, right? So right away, I got into therapy and... um it was very apparent to me within the first couple of sessions that I had a lot of trauma that I had to go through. And my food addiction was so out of control. If I had gotten the weight loss surgery at that time, I probably would end up hurting myself tremendously. Um, and I decided with the therapist, we were going to put that on hold. And I had a lot of stuff I had to work through. I had uh, abuse as a child, I had to work through. I had my fear, my anxiety. Um, so, I mean, it was bad in the beginning where I was seeing the therapist twice a week uh, for like the first year. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it took three years of seeing her constantly to just get to the place of accepting that I was a human, you know, not this like sub creature, you know, like this monster. Yeah. And and then it took a further two more years to even look at myself as a woman because, you know, during that time, I didn't think I could wear feminine clothes or put makeup on or wear jewelry or, or do my hair because I thought, you know, th this thought kept going in my head that you don't put pearls on a pig. Oh, so I was like, why would I even bother to do any of that? It would be ridiculous. I would look like a clown. And so it, it took a long time for me to to get through and then accept the fact and, and say the words, I have a food addiction and realize that, you know, I, I have addictive behavior 
And I, I had to go through that and, and um, work through it. So therapy was really, really important on the beginning journey of self-acceptance. And um, after five years of therapy, I moved out of, of the state that I was living in and I lost my therapist. But she had really helped me to get to the point of starting to, you know, put my toe in the water, right? So, you know, I started making friends again and started talking to people and started to, you know, dress more feminine and, and, you know, make my, you know, put an outward appearance that that made me feel good for myself and starting to have respect for myself. And when I left her, I started to date, um, which I didn't think I could ever do that. I never thought that that would be possible. Um, So I just started putting myself out there. And then this whole world opened up to me. Um, Was my my self-esteem and my self-acceptance there? No. Um, Will it ever be like, will I always struggle with it? I probably always will. But what I did is I learned how to look at myself and look at other people. So one thing that she told me that really changed my perspective in the world is she said, what other people think about you is not your business. Nice. And that was like, right. I was like, Whoa, I guess not. And then she's like, and she goes, and furthermore, if, if they tell you what they think about you, it's still not your business. It's, you have the power to take that on and accept it, um, you know, adapt their ideology about you. I mean, that's completely within your power on whether or not you're going to pick up somebody else's stuff. And that really hit me. And so when I did go out in the public and I did think that people were staring at me or I did think that they were talking about me. You know, I, I just repeated that, like what they think isn't my business. That's not on them. How do I see myself? How, who do, who am I to me? And that, that began the, um, the journey of really doing, um, some really deep self inventory and reflection. Like I knew that the core of me was a good person for me. I, I knew my values, my, my morals, who I was as a person. And I love that part of me. And I embraced that part of me. And I was just like, you know what, if I love this, I love the core of who I am and who I am as a person. Why am I shaping my entire life and everything that I do around what an other person might think? Right. And this is, this is is the, this is the key, isn't it? This is the key of self-acceptance, but it's also the key of living your own life, isn't it? There are many people in the world who are defined by what other people think of them. So Exactly. So 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 you mentioned so so walk me through that process again. So when you're out and you're conscious of people looking at you or even saying things about you, what, what how do you help yourself in that moment? Well, from from since I've left therapy, it's been about 6 or 7 years now. Um I get it, especially being a public figure now and and having, you know, my face out there and being an an overweight woman in the world, I, I get a lot of hate. So I still get it. And I still get a lot of very mean comments and people not understanding what it is that I'm doing. And now it literally doesn't phase me at all. 
if there is no reaction at all, because I took that extended time of just really getting in touch with myself. I, I call it a fearless inventory. When I made the decision to accept the consequences, good or bad, because consequences could be either, of my decisions and my decision-making, that put the entire power of my entire life within my hands and my hands alone. Right. So when somebody says, you know, and, I, and I've gotten this many times, I've, I've even gotten death threats. You know, somebody says, you know, you're a pig that should be slaughtered. Um, You know, you're you're, you're a terrible person. I I get a lot of it often. It it doesn't actually, it makes me feel sorry that anybody should go through life feeling that kind of hate for any other person, but that's their stuff. You know, that's the thing that they got to work through and they got to carry. But for me, I know who I am. And when I look in the mirror, I love who I am. I see this person who is living her truth, being authentic to herself, doing the things that I love that I always thought that I couldn't have, living freely without the constraints of anybody else. And and I know that a lot of us, and it doesn't even have to do with weight, people struggle with this because this age of social media, you know, everything's online. Yes. You know, you're always trying to be this perfect, flawless Instagram picture or, you know, and I, it, it, it suffocates you. It suffocates you trying to fit in the world's bubble or other people's bubble, or your family or your partner or your coworkers, and you're trying to fit into what they see you. And until you can get down to the crux of yourself and and sit and be with yourself, I, and I think a lot of people have that problem of just being alone without any distractions, without music or books or TV or your phone in your hand. And really just get in touch with the way you're feeling and where you're at in your life and and cut out all the noise. Um, I think that until people start doing that more, they're caught in this, you know, this social media, you know, you have to be like everybody else bubble. And I really try to encourage people to try to find out who they are and to live their truth unapologetically without changing themselves to fit other people's perspectives because I'm telling you what the freedom that you get when you embrace that is is like winning the lottery for me it was the most amazing thing ever because so, I could oh I'm sorry go ahead no it's okay sorry it's, uh, we haven't got the, this, the camera on so we can't see each other so um um so what the, the trouble is that when you get to know yourself there are a lot of people in the world who don't like themselves so, mm-hmm. and that's where you started, wasn't it? So how do you begin the, and I know it's a very um, simple question with a very complicated response. So um, forgive me for that. But how do you begin the process of getting to that stage where you can begin to like yourself? Because if you can't like yourself, then you'll, you'll never right. be good. I think, I think someone more famous than I once said, if you can't love yourself, you can't love another. But, and you've got to start that, you've got to start that process somewhere, haven't you? So what, what might be a first step for someone? Well, for me, it, uh, I mean, it started, it took five years in therapy to even begin it. But, you know, and th- there are a lot of people who offer different suggestions. Like my therapist at one point said, Rebecca, I want you to write an, affirma- an affirmation, a positive affirmation every day and put it up on your bathroom mirror. So I did. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
And one day I walked in and I saw all these affirmations on my mirror. And I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I went and tore every single one of them down. Affirmations didn't work for me. You know, positive thinking didn't work for me. I, I hated myself and there was nothing anybody was going to tell me to make me change that. And what really started the process for me was really sitting down and finding out who I was as a person Mm. and to stop looking at myself through other people. So really like Rebecca, what is it that you believe in? What is it that you love? What do you love? What, what is, what is it that you think about in the world? Like I really had to sit down and find out who I was and not looking at it from like, okay, yeah, I don't make a lot of money. No, I don't have like a big house. Like I had to look at it in totality, not just, you know, me being fat, but I really had to cut that all out of this, this, this thing that, you know, thrown at us, like you have to have a certain amount of money, you have to wear certain kind of clothes. You have to have this kind of appearance that I thought that I couldn't be happy if I didn't have that whole package. And when I cut that out and really just thought about who I was, I made that conscious effort every day to sit with myself. And sometimes it could only be like a minute. Like I was just so uncomfortable feeling my feelings and just sitting in the moment that I didn't get very far. Um, but was pushing myself every day of just sitting and figuring out who I was as a person, what I thought about things, what did I think about things? Not what did my mom think about things or my job or, you know, religion or politics or whatever, like what, who was I? And when I started going through that and accepting that this is the kind of person I am and in knowing who I was. I really began to look at myself in the mirror. And although I didn't have affirmations pasted to it, I I, I liked that person. I liked my beliefs. I liked my morals. I liked my dad. I liked that. I love, you know, saying that I love history. No, I do. I love history. You know, looking in the mirror and saying, I love history. I love learning about this. And, you know, getting excited about it. And I love that about myself and I embraced it. So something so simple and trivial, right? Yeah. But when you start looking at who you are and diving into it and accepting that and, and building on that, you're you're seeing yourself as a human and you're accepting that and you're putting that out in the world. And and then you start to build confidence. And that's huge too. Walking through the world with confidence, holding your head up, living your truth. I, I'll always say that the most important thing for people to do is to live their truth and live it as authentically as possible. And that's what I try to do every single day. It, and it's not easy. I mean, and I have my my backward steps. I have days even now right. where I wake up and I'm like, oh God, I don't like myself today. Right. And I don't hate and I don't beat myself up about it. Right. I sit and I'm like, okay. I'm having this thought. Why am I having this thought? I sit down and I go through it and I feel the feelings. And sometimes I allow myself to stay in those feelings for a little bit. Sometimes I'm like, well, today I don't want to like myself. I just want to stay here. And then I give myself the permission. I acknowledge the consequences of that. And then the next day I make the effort to move out of that and process what I was feeling the next day. 
So it's all about really getting in touch with who you are and giving yourself permission to live out in the world in the way that you see fit. And that's definitely what I do every single day. And if I find that something isn't working for me, I change it. Yes. And what you're talking or, but what you're talking about here is, and I think what some people confuse when they talk about subjects like confidence or self-acceptance and things, is they think it's a, an event rather than just seeing it as a process. And it's something that I'm guessing you're going to deal with for a long time in your life. And it's sort of, it's sort of the challenge of your life in a way. And it is for most people, isn't it? I think so. I think that everybody, I, I think it doesn't matter who you are. I think everybody has these times in their life where, you know, they beat themselves up or they think that they're not good enough or um, they think that they need to change. And I think it's, you know, have, or they have these kind of thoughts of self-hatred. And I think that's the human condition. I don't think that's anything anybody can erase completely, you know. I know that I will probably always struggle with it. I will always have times in my life where these thoughts will come up. But making the decision to take my power back and work through it in a healthy manner and, and still holding on to the truth of who I am is, is the most important thing to get through those really dark spots that we all go through. Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't even have to do with weight. So... I really, really think that people being able to sit and find out who they are and move through that process will help in the long run. And and it is a process. And sometimes it could take weeks or days or months. And other times it could take years and years and years. But I know it did for me. Um, But now I, I live out, you know, somebody who used to hide away from everybody and was afraid to get gas. Now I, you know, I'm on out there in the world a hundred percent and it's it's absolutely I, I it's so freeing it's so much it feels powerful you know to take control of your life yes. and accept the consequences of whether I decide to do something or I don't and I and I absolutely I love the fact that I went through what I went through to get to where I am now Brilliant. So, you know, so, so Beck, so people would like to see more of your work or uh, hook up with you or find you online. What, how, how should they do that? Well, you can contact me on Beck Bedford and that's B-E-X-B-E-D-F-O-R-D.com, BexBedford.com. Right there on my front page, I have all my social media links. I have my YouTube channel. I have uh, a podcast channel of my own. Um, all my social media, I'm very interactive. And um, you can also email me, Bex at BexBedford.com. I love hearing from people and talking to them. And, you know, I understand a lot of people go through this. So if you ever need help, please reach out. I'm I'm here. I definitely will answer you. That's brilliant. And I think that's some really interesting tips there in terms of getting to that stage of self-acceptance, but also how to deal with fear. And and I think that's, that's a really interesting statement about you know, if you're in that moment, it's not your business to be worried about what other people think about you. That's, it's, I, I right. that's quite a quirky way of thinking about that. I love it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so, Bex, thank you so much for spending time to it with us today. I think that's absolutely been really, really fascinating. And um, and I think, obviously, what happened is you, you the, 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 the people, the surgeons said, go away and have six months surgery. And obviously, you've never felt the need to go back, which is the 
which is the, is the best bit about the story, really, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on. I, I've had a great time. You've been a superstar. Thanks so much for being spending time with us today. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You take care. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed, and if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.